0: hi y'all and happy fall this episode is super wild and fun i got to interview luis marin we cover how he had a demonic following his introduction to veganism and his amazing relationship we'll be doing an extra mini spooky episode with some of his best demon stories i know you can't make this shit up just because Halloween is in two days. However, you do get enough juice in this one as well. Since Halloween is so close, I really wanted to put this out there. Hope you all enjoy and don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe and listen to our next mini episode.
1: Scratching in the wall for years, uh, smelling of rotten flesh, things going missing, bed would shake, feeling of the money presence in the house.
0: Hello and welcome to Pun Peach. Thank you so much, Luis, for being here.
1: Of course. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Super excited.
0: So I wanted to begin off with speaking to you, obviously, because you are in the fitness industry. Yeah. And I also like to ask all my guests one intro question. Of course. So my in- intro question for you is, what is your biggest flex and why?
1: All right. I'd say that I guess being plant based and vegan, you know, like showing people like, hey, you can build muscle on a plant based diet, you know, like it, it's because it, a lot of people will look at us and be like, oh, you know, you're vegan. There's no way. And it's like, you know, I love when I you know I can ex- explain to people like, yeah, like if you look at the biggest animals on the planet, you know, rhinos, gorillas, giraffes, they're all plant based and you can thrive on a plant based diet. So I feel like that, that's very empowering to me, I guess could say it's like wow you know like i'm lifting heavy weights i'm not that you know i'm not skinny like what everyone kind of pictures us as so I guess, like, that right. to me is, like, very some, – something that I really hold deep to my heart and that I can
0: show. I you love know. that. Totally. I totally get that. I think there is, like, a little bit of a stereotype when people think vegan. They think, like, malnourished uh, or small or often they think women. I think mm-hmm. that a lot of people definitely – when they meet, like, a male vegan, they're like, oh, whoa, you know, let yeah. alone a, a male vegan that is lifting too. Exactly. So – super big flex there yeah so i do want to ask you how you got into fitness and what that journey started off for you like definitely
1: so basically i mean i think like a lot of people experience like changes when they're younger so when i was like very very young i'd say like middle school right i started to notice like my body and just that i was very very skinny compared to other people like other guys that were my age and then I looked at girls and I'm like, wow, like I kind of have the frame of a girl, you know, like not that it's a bad thing. But <laughs> like as a guy, kind of like you're looking at guys and you want to be manly, you know. So mm-hmm. high school started coming along. And then just like there was I saw these other guys in high school that were like built and just strong and like they got respect from other people. And I'm like, wow, like this is like you can see the way people talk to you. They talk to you differently based on the way you look, yeah. which is kind it kind of sucks, you know, honestly. And in my head, I'm like, wow, like that must be nice. You know, they get all the girls, they get all this, and then, you know, they get respect from other guys. And it's like, I want that. You know, I want to I want to know what that feels like because my whole life, I've always been that skinny kid that never gets picked on in sports. Um, all that stuff sat on me very heavy. And then there was like one pivotal moment that I will never forget. I remember I was with my friends at McDonald's and these guys were like pretty built, you know, for high school. Um, and they were like the popular guys. So we were at McDonald's sitting down at a table. And I remember overhearing group girls across the table and they were like, oh my God, and you know, they look so good. But look at that one kid he's like so so skinny like it's it's you know scary and that Aww. i think it like shattered you know it, it was a very pivotal moment in my life where i like i remember going home that day looking at myself in the mirror and telling myself like wow i would blame god i'd be you know i'd just kind of throw it out there i'm like why did god make me this way like, it just ruined my confidence it just it was like the dagger the last straw for me and it was such like an embarrassing moment because i heard. You know, i don't think they knew that we heard them but i i was over here in a conversation and obviously, I'm the only guy in that table that was super, super skinny. So then, from that day forward, I would wear sweaters in the summer, even though it was like 100 degrees. I would wear sweaters to cover my like my the way my body looked. So I was so embarrassed. And then I guess by like, looking at that moment, then I think sophomore year to junior year, I thought, you know what, I'm not gonna let someone you know tell me that I'm gonna be skinny for the rest of my life because all my friends would be like, oh, you're skinny, you're skinny. I would hear it every single day, even my family would say it to me. And I'm not I can either let these people choose the way my life is gonna go, and I can choose to be that skinny kid, or I can. Take control of my own life. And that's when I jumped at it. I'm like, you know what, I'm going to start doing research. I had no idea what I was doing in the beginning, but I never even knew Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator, was a bodybuilder and so I started looking things up about you know nutrition, health, and fitness. And I was Mm like, wow, you know, I started looking at these guys and like, you know, they were on steroids, but I never knew what steroids were back then. So I kind of looked at them saying, I can achieve this, you know. Obviously you can achieve it if you, you know, do you take performance enhancing drugs, you know, if you're in that sport. In my eyes, I was like, it just kind of like hit me. I'm like, I started listening to motivational videos, kind of speaking into existence. I would look at myself in the mirror as a skinny kid and I'd tell myself, You got this man, like screw everyone else, people who made fun of you, people who didn't believe in you, they're gonna be the ones coming up to you asking for help in the future, and that kind of mentality is what led me to start doing push-ups and at home, sit-ups at home. I was obsessed. Like it's so crazy what they say. It's like you become obsessed with something, and it becomes a part of your life. That I started to love it. And my mom looking at me, saying that I'm crazy because I'd be doing sit-ups at 12 o'clock at night, as like crazy. I was, it was just like a mad person. In my head, I'm like, I started seeing like small changes, and that right there became the drug to me. Change became the drug, and I, and I was so addicted to it. Just the feeling of feeling powerful. Like I'm changing something in my life for once. No one's gonna stop me. I have control. And then from that moment on. I just, every single year, I I worked at it. I worked at it. I started seeing people treat me differently. Um, More respect. My family would look at me. People thought I was on steroids because I was that skinny. Like, it's crazy because I was so skinny. I was 105 pounds. Like, the skinniest thing you've ever seen, you
0: know? Wow.
1: The moment I added muscle, people were looking at me like, wow, like, he has to be on steroids. Like, in high school, they used to say steroid Louis." So, yeah. I'm going to have to see,
0: like, a before picture of this. Yeah, I think that's really going to create the image. Because when you say 105 pounds, that's probably even a few pounds later than I, I am. And I'm, like, one, like, okay. tiny human being. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm 5'9". <five> <laughs> yeah, so.
0: Yeah, that's that's really, really small. <laughs>
1: yeah, like, but, it was okay. this, this small. Yeah, it was crazy
0: i can't imagine i mean that you know that's also a time where you're going through puberty though so Mm -hmm. i feel naturally you probably would have gotten bigger but so it sounds to me that like a lot of it came about because you wanted to change the physical aspect but then along the way you did that by changing your mental aspect so what do you feel like is biggest hurdle that you've been through recently i'd say
1: you know just being comfortable where i'm at in my own body i'm like all right look good you know i feel good um what more can i get out of it I get lazy. There are days where I'll get lazy at the gym and it's like, oh, I'm just doing it to do it. But then I tell myself, like, there's days where I'll look at motivational videos like Machiavelli motivation on YouTube and I listen to those words and that's what gets me going. And there'll be days where I, I, you know, when you work a long day, you have classes or whatever it is. Damn, you know, I don't want to go to the gym right now. It's, it becomes a chore, you know, I, I don't want that to become a chore. So I kind of tell myself there's still room for improvement. There's always room for improvement in anything we do in life, right? You're never going to be satisfied. You're never going to be at that point of perfection because perfection doesn't exist. You know, I don't believe in perfection. I believe that we, You can strive for it. And then I hear like those voices in my head and I like remind myself why I started this journey and that there's so many other people that I... I might not be motivated to go to the gym today but I'm motivating someone else to go to the gym today you know and that's me to change someone else's life and mindset is enough fuel Mm -hmm. for my fires to kind of keep going you know
0: exactly besides looking up different YouTubers did you ever work with a coach like what was your experience once you started going to the gym and developing your training style because like now you're pretty big there must have been like switching you know doing Mm push-up and sit-ups in your room to how you achieved what you have today definitely so I'd
1: say I'd say that it all kind of you know changed like so in the beginning I didn't know what I was doing. I was kind of doing sit ups and push ups every single day. Did a lot of research. I did do a lot of research when I started seeing, like, all right, what's going to help me get bigger, faster? Like, what, you know, training smarter, not harder. And then I had people along the way. I never, like, had a trainer, but then I started meeting people in the gym. Cause, you know, like, when you're in the gym every single day, people say, oh, this kid's serious. You know, like, he's trying to learn. So I guess people kind of gravitated towards that. Make, like, really great friends in the gym. I made some of the best friends that I've ever had in my entire life in the gym. I got my actual job from meeting somebody in the gym who owns, like, his own company. And we became You know, really great friends. He's like a brother now, he's like a big role model in my life, and he gave me an opportunity to work in his company. It's truly amazing because all these people have given me that mindset and that structure like, either working out, learning the the proper movements, and just kind of leaving the ego at the door, come in the gym, you know, get shit done, and that kind of mindset. You know, they're like, all right, this is how you work out. You're gonna get more results doing this, not, you know, bending your back and stuff like that. Yeah. That kind of people helping me out along the way.
0: That's pretty amazing that you were able to achieve what you have so far without Mm -hmm. any coaching and with more like mentorship because. At least for me, I definitely started going to the gym alone, but it wasn't until I started working with trainers and coaches that taught me things that I noticed more development. But then again, I do think that it might be a slightly different world sometimes with women and men because I do Mm -hmm. think less connections sometimes are made with women because – I'm sure men probably are like, I don't want to go up to her because then she's going to think I'm hitting on her. No,
1: 100%, so <laughs> 100%, 100%, then you end up hiring.
0: Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I mean, it happens either mm-hmm. way, but I definitely think that there's a little bit less mentorship as, as like you're kind of referencing, at least it's in, in my life. I haven't seen that as much unless I've worked at a facility or hired my coach. That's mean- cool that you were able to do that.
1: I was going to say, do you think as a girl, like girls look at each other like competition rather than helping each other? Because guys, they kind of, there they will be that kind of like kind of thing where it's like competition. But then other times there's like people actually want to help. Guys want to help each other succeed in the gym. They're like, all right, this guy is a young buck, wants to get big. I'm going to show him the ropes, you know. But I feel like in girls, they kind of look at each other like, oh, I'm not going to help that girl. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my own thing. You yeah. know,
0: um, I, I wouldn't say that as mm-hmm. much has been the issue. I would say that there's just like literally not as many girls. Yeah. I, I like, you know, there's definitely girls uh, that mm-hmm. lift, but I would say from when my fitness journey started like eight years ago, there's like a lot of girls or no, I wouldn't even say a lot, but there's like, you know, a good amount of girls now. But back then, if you saw a girl, she was on the treadmill or she was mm-hmm. like on the Stairmaster. Yes, she was never right. lifting. And now I feel like the girls that lift at least for me, I can't speak for anyone else, but for me, when I'm not my trainer mode it's more of an i don't want to bother them or i don't want to come off as snarky especially mm-hmm. because i'm still pretty young maybe that's my own judgment on myself but sometimes i'm like oh if i go up to her she might think i'm trying to be bitchy <laughs> right. so for me it's more that than judgment but i can see that
1: yeah because i see in guys as well like my boys like when i'm working out in the gym sometimes with someone they're like looking at this kid working out and i'm like well, why don't you go help him out and they're like not nah. like some will go and the kid they they, mm-hmm. they try to act like tough they're like the other people who are working out like when you try to help someone out, they're like, oh, I know what I'm doing, you don't know, you know, they feel almost as if they're disrespected, you know, I feel like sometimes... But it doesn't. Yeah, you're not exactly. trying to do that, you know. You're trying to help them. So it's just where's the line drawn? Exactly. You know?
0: mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think that since I've been a trainer, obviously I had my uniform on, I had no problem going up to women. But when you don't wear it, I always felt a little bit more intimidated just go up to a girl. Honestly, I think it comes down to there is countless days where I'm at the gym and I am the only girl lifting. Really? That happens really often. But I just think it comes down to numbers. Even though it's growing and there's so many females now that are lifting, I just don't even think it's yet the norm even if some girls get into it i think that it's still relatively new but i mean i I don't know it's hard to say you know everything's changing so fast and Mm -hmm. part of the reason why i even made this podcast i feel like things are just developing at a rapid rate that has been unseen before in the fitness industry and information is just being thrown out there even from when i first started to now the type of workouts and what we do has changed for example the hip thrust, that Mm. just became within the last five years like yeah. that barely even existed like, 10 years ago if at very all true. yeah if I saw someone like, doing
1: that five years ago I'd be like hey, what is this person doing this looks so crazy yeah. but now it's like the literature shows the growth that you can get from it it's crazy yeah
0: exactly I remember when I first started doing it and it definitely was very uncommon and Brett Contreras I'm sure you know who that is yeah yeah
1: guy right the
0: glute master yeah, I mean yeah. I'm pretty sure he copyrighted that probably I want to say 15 years ago but maybe it's wow. not even that old so it's it's wild wild, (laughs) (laughs) okay i went on a rant there sorry (laughs) but i did want to ask since you are vegan and Mm -hmm. you are definitely into like eating healthy making that a part of how you're growing bigger when was that shift for you like when did that happen in your journey
1: so i'd say veganism came into my life about three and uh, four years ago in the form of my girlfriend you know so I met my girlfriend via Instagram and we met New York City as soon as like the relationship started moving very quickly you know we'd see each other almost every single weekend then it kind of got to the point where I started learning more about her eating habits, why she was eating the way she was eating you know I was still eating meat while she was you know vegan in my head I'm like I'll never go vegan you can't do this the second year of our relationship I tried to go vegan and it didn't work out I kind of I was cheating behind you know our in her back i'd be eating like a chicken sandwich at work or something like that she wouldn't know about it in my head i'm like that's not a way to live why am i going to lie to my girlfriend about being vegan and the people that follow me i'm i like, i can't be a fake person then the third year came around i started learning more about the vegan industry and just why people go vegan the benefits of body can accomplish being vegan And I thank my girlfriend for that, you know, she opened my eyes to a world that I didn't know existed or the purpose of being vegan. And that gave me almost a purpose and just like it made me feel great that I was making a change. Her being vegan, she showed me the road. I almost had these blinders on the side of my eyes blocking everything around me. And I just wanted to see what I wanted to see. And I feel like nowadays we live in a world that does just that. We kind of put these blinders up and our mindset is what we think is right and we don't like to listen to the outside what's going on around us and the reality of what life is. So she she gave me that mindset. She just showed me a great opportunity and delicious food that was out there. I could eat pizza, I can eat mac and cheese, I can eat steak, I can eat chicken and it's just made of plants. And I'm like, wow, if I can thrive on this and it tastes exactly the same and I I've learned to love it. It's delicious. I crave it every single day of my life. I don't crave chicken, I don't care. I don't crave meat anymore. I don't crave, you know, flesh. It's, it's kind of crazy because it's like once you stop and even now that I look at it, I kinda look at meat and I'm like, damn, you know, that's like disgusting. You know, it's a piece of like someone's arm hanging out like in a butcher shop, you know, that's the way I think though. Yeah. I don't judge people for what they do, you know, if they eat meat, they eat meat. I'm not gonna be like a militant vegan. But if, you know, I can express, you know, why when vegan and tell them like, you know, the changes that they're making in the planet uh global warming, there's so much to it, you know, so much connected and I have so much emotion attached to this now. That's why I wanted to be a vegan bodybuilder and a vegan athlete to show the world like, hey guys, if you're afraid of like getting skinny, that's not going to happen, you know you can thrive you can grow and you can become a monster change the way you think you know stop letting other people influence the way you think open your horizons look around you look at the opportunity that's out there you know
0: i love yeah. that yeah. And, yeah. and hopefully one day we'll be able to have her on so she can give me more details about Definitely. how she went vegan but well, you hit the nail on so many different points first you met your current girlfriend on instagram that yeah. is so modern day love story
1: it's <laughs> about, yeah. i mean it's, it was by chance to be honest i popped up on the explore page and mm-hmm. she ended up randomly on the floor page she told me just scrolling through and she saw me and she was like oh you know he's pretty cute started liking my pictures and then you know i saw her like a few of so i like i liked her pictures they kind of went to hiking for in her dms and it's like if she hadn't been in the you know on that page at that moment god right. knows where you know like our lives would have been and it's been four it's so amazing crazy. years Yeah,
0: I I truly believe in destiny you know I've actually never started dating anyone from Instagram but I hear Mm -hmm. these stories all the time it's amazing that you can meet someone and they could live your city and you would have never met them if it wasn't for technology of some sort you said that you guys used to meet up in New York is she from Mm -hmm. New York so she's from New
1: Jersey my head I never thought I was going to meet her I'm just a mess around I'm just liking her pictures and then one day we just decided to meet Midway in New York City because that's like the Midway point took the train to see her she took the bus to see me we would meet in Grand Central the first time we met actually it's a pretty crazy story I was running late you know I, I was I don't know I wasn't going to meet up with her because I thought this was like a very sketchy thing I'm like hmm I don't know should I go because she was already you know, like, in
0: gonna be like a 50 year old man that's gonna like trap me was that like your fear
1: I just I <laughs> thought it was too good to be true so in yeah. my head I'm like there's no this can't be real this is fake someone's trying to you know mess with me so then I wasn't gonna meet up with her but then I told my boy at la- it was literally I was already running like five hours late mind you you know I was like you know pushing it off five like,
0: hours oh my goodness
1: <laughs> yeah it was messed up so
0: you guys so you guys never facetimed beforehand so
1: we did facetime we did facetime but so I did know it was her I just didn't know mm-hmm. how it was the vibe was gonna be, you know. So mm-hmm. I told my friend, I'm like, "Yo, Enzo, come with me to the city randomly." I'm like, "Last minute, I'll buy your ticket, I'll buy you dinner. Just come with me, bro. Just be my wingman, just in case things don't work out. Well, did." I didn't tell her that, and I made up a <laughs> lie about being late, saying that I had to get work done and stuff like that. So I looked like an asshole, you know. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, um, no, that
0: sounds a little asshole-y, Not gonna lie.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I apologize. You know, I, I obviously never would do that. Obviously. Again. It-
0: yeah, it obviously yeah. worked down the end. But continue. I learned continue my later. lesson, exactly. So <laughs> I
1: we so basically we get to the city, it's like seven o'clock and I'm already like really late and they they were they were because she was with her friends in the city. So I get out the train, I'm like, all right, Grand Central had has that ticket booth in the middle. So yes, like right yes. in the middle, yeah. So I remember calling her, I'm like, Hey, like, I'm here, we're already I'm like looking around and then she's looking around and it was like a love movie. It was like so we're like we see each other, as soon as we see each other, we run right towards each other right in the middle of the train station, we hug each other and just kiss. we never kissed before. It was just like, it, it was just almost like gravitation. Like the vibe was right. And then we were just holding each other, kissing each other, as if we've known each other for hundreds of years. You know, it was just the weirdest experience, but it was, and from that moment, I felt like, all right, this is just something different. And from there it just escalated to us moving in together. I fast forward a year later. And we've been living together for almost three years now. Yeah, so it's it's crazy. Wow! Yeah, I
0: yeah. love a good love story. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Love the tea. Um Definitely. That's that is amazing. So you guys have been together for like approximately four years.
1: Going on five. It's yeah, four. And going a half, on five. Yeah, four, yeah. wow Yeah. Five years, November 27th. Oh,
0: I love it. So, well, yeah. you know, I'm not going to say pressure, but, you know, popping the question might be uh, coming <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been looking at rings.
1: I've been looking at rings. So, so yeah. So,
0: she can't listen to this episode then. No, no, she, no, she it, can't. No, yeah, definitely not. But that's, <laughs> so, that is so, so cool. Like, I love that. and. Mm. Honestly, I mean, I'm a believer in people knowing each other in past lives. Like, you've known each other forever. You like re meet in a different life. I mean, that's like a whole spiritual thing. But I No, she talks
1: about that as well all the time. Yeah, like, oh, really? And stuff like that. Yeah. And just like, it's crazy because we finish each other's sentences all the time. We're just very, we're so connected. I think we talk about. We laugh at the same time. We might say the same joke. We might say the same at the same exactly the same. It's so weird. The buy the connection that we're on the level. It's just amazing. Oh, I love
0: that. That makes yeah. me so happy. <laughs> Definitely. No, no, no. So that that is amazing. So that was my comment number one. And we totally actually have a that. kid now. Oh yes, the dog. Yeah, That's what you're talking yeah. about, right? Yeah,
1: okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh <laughs> no, 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 The fur baby, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a little. Baby and so, here.
0: what's his name?
1: His name is Denver. Let me go grab him real quick to show him to the yeah, camera. Yeah. You see him. One second. I'm gra- oh my
0: gosh, he is so precious. Oh. And so how old is he?
1: He is two months and five days.
0: Wow, he's so little. Yeah. He seems like so pretty. Like, he seems like a little, like, like baby. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's giving off yeah. that, like, little nugget vibe. Whenever I'm
1: stressed, cuddle with this little dude or play with him and it just goes right away. I,
0: I'm going to try to get some ju- more juice out of you. Definitely. So what do you feel like in been, like, the biggest challenges of the, the relationship and has social media ever play a part in any of the developing of you guys?
1: I think that... Social media definitely is what brought us together. And, you know, in the relationship, I feel like social media can have its effect, like its strain on a relationship. It's just like, it's a very, like, strenuous situation and on both ends, I feel like. I might get jealous. She might get jealous. So it's like almost. Or like,
0: like why didn't work. he post me on his story? You know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Where's it, my it, IG post? <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. So just, just like that, I think like things like that, like social media can definitely ruin relationships 100%. I think, you know, I'm a true believer in that. As long as we're transparent and we're open with one another, because in the beginning, I think communication was like one of my biggest downfalls. I wasn't a good communicator in a relationship. more of a reserved kind of closed off person when like it comes to like emotional things. So I learned to become more open and more transparent with what I do and just understanding her feelings, you know, I think I would just kind of collect issues, you know, a lot because my whole major in school is uh, HDFS, Human Developmental Family Studies and a minor in business. So I learned to, like, understand relationships and, like, how to become a better boyfriend through, like, my psychology classes, you know, like, understanding myself. That's awesome. So that's helped our relationship a lot. And just like her, she's become more open-minded. We've learned to communicate. Just, I think communication is number one and trust, you know, but I definitely think that those two catalysts were the the, the secret sauce to our successful relationship together. I
0: totally agree. I, I think communication is the most important thing, but also, like, one of the hardest things, especially because some people communicate differently and sometimes it's not like one is right or wrong it's just preferences i rather hold my tongue for the right time so that we can have like an extensive conversation so interesting to like in a partnership even if it's like a friendship or you know romantic and having to just learn what your preference is what their preferences meet somewhere in the middle or you know
1: exactly meeting of the minds is definitely something that's i think critical in a relationship just Understanding each other and just understanding the, what makes us tick and what makes us rely you know, like all these kind of little things have its its role inside of a relationship. And once you master those, obviously a relationship is always going to have issues, but as long as you can overcome those issues, that that's what's going to make our relationship much stronger. And we've learned to do that every time we hit a roadblock, we address the issue together. You know, if I'm mad, I'll tell her like, "Hey, can you just give me some space? I just I just you know I don't want to say things I don't mean." You know, sometimes I might just I I'm very like snappy sometimes. You know, so I just feel we learned each other. You know, we know each other now, like the back of each other's hands, and what what we do and what we do it. Learn to respect each other and just appreciate one another. So,
0: one. what do you do when a guy slides into her DMs and he's like, "Yo, mama"? Like, <laughs> it, happens, it happens all the
1: time. Like, you, her whole DM is like full of like 100 messages from like guys. You know, like like they send her dick pics and stuff like that. Like some. Oh my god. Yeah, she's gotten like count, like I think like thousands of dick pics in our relationship. Wow, so,
0: that's crazy. So you know, I'll be honest,
1: I'm not the jealous kind of guy. Like, I think that I, I I trust her enough. You know, I respect her, and I think that you know, there's like a line. She's not gonna cheat on me. Like I know she's not gonna go and talk to another guy. So why? What's the point of putting energy into that? You know, like I can trust her. It's about how you react to the situation, activity. If I want to get mad or upset. But um, I, she, she was more than happy to show me her phone. I don't want to be, like, a controlling boyfriend. Like, oh, hey, show me your phone right now. I need to see this message. But um, yeah. she, she's open to it. You know, she's like, if you ever want to see my phone, just, you know, just let me know. And I'm like, same with me. You know, you ever want to see my phone? I got nothing to hide. You know, like, I respect our relationship way too much to, like, throw it away over a stupid DM with someone. Or, like, you know, talking to some random girl that isn't going to amount to anything. You know, like, our relationship is perfect. It has its flaws, obviously. But in my eyes, it's perfect. You know, I think every relationship yeah. has flaws. But, you know so perfectly imperfect exactly
0: exactly <laughs> i totally agree i think in terms of like the transparency i think that's like really important i also think that it's always going to be like a, an amount of like work in relationships it's not like always like perfect and all those things but i am the first one to say that i'm definitely more of like the jealous the the jealous one mm-hmm. and i didn't used to be but i think you know should happen but i'm so open about it i'll be like you know what i admit it I'll be, I'm a little bit more jealous, but mm-hmm. I'm never gonna go sneak around to like figure something out. I just, I'm so mm-hmm. confronting. I'm like, this is how I feel. It makes me uncomfortable. I know that it might be like, nosy of me, but could you tell me? My girlfriend. Yeah, here? my
1: girlfriend's the same way. Yeah, exactly the same. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so I'm just like, I, res- hey, I, I might be that. crazy mm-hmm. girlfriend, but. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, I respect that because as, as long as someone can be vocal and like not go behind someone's back and not be honest about it, you know, like, well, Because I think understanding emotion and understanding feeling is, like like I said, critical for any relationship. So it's like if I don't understand why you might be the way, you you know, what you're feeling or like why, you know, you're coming at me with a sorry question, it's like then I'm just going to – I'm going to get mad and I'm going to get defensive. If I don't understand, you know, like, all right, what's the situation? You know, just explain to me and we're cool, you know, we're in the same vibe, you know. So I definitely think that, you know, if you explain it, you're good. Yeah,
0: no, I I agree. And it's also so funny. I was just having this conversation with my boyfriend and I was like, I I think a little jealousy is – almost healthy you have like no care in the world at all i feel like it's not the best sign because it's like all right you should care a little bit if i care yeah i do care yeah yeah you know the way that we develop relationships and the way that we're learning about them is just so i mean i'm going to say this like a million times but everything is just so new because social media is so new and dealing with like dms or like snapchats Mm -hmm. or what have you is just like such a new concept we can't like ask the older generation like our parents or like anybody else what to do because they're like what are you talking about (laughs) yeah the social dilemma
1: it's it's huge
0: but then again it's like fascinating at the same
1: time (laughs) it's it's a powerful tool if you use it correctly that's what i say
0: yes Yes. So I have asked so many questions about your relationship, but that's just because I always get fascinated with people's love. But I will ask you about the veganism. So you mentioned that you started eating more healthy because your girlfriend, shout out to her, she's awesome. Learning that you could find all these similar foods. Was there any pushback from like friends in your family? Oh, yeah. or, like how did you go around Dealing with I would make fun of
1: for being vegan in the gym. My mom was like, You're crazy, Luis, you need protein. My brother would call like make fun of me. My co-workers at work would be like, Oh, you know, here comes the vegan. You know, they would eat chicken sandwiches <laughs> in front of my face. They would like send me pictures of steak. It was like relentless, like a relentless fighting battle, you know. And it's, it's so funny because it's like I wasn't pushing my views on any person, but it's like they found it funny or like a need to like try to push their views on me once I decided to change what I was doing, not harming them. They were like, oh, you need this, you need that, sending me articles, countless articles, stories, telling me, like, I'm going to be malnourished, all this kind of bullshit, you know, it's just, it, it was very, very aggressive, and then one day, I'm just like, you know what, this is what I'm doing, I don't I don't tell you what to do, so why are you going to come in my face and tell me I need to do this, you know, I'm not, like, sending you articles about veganism, just, you know, let me do my life, this is my life, I choose to do this, and if you guys want to learn about it, I'll teach you about it, you know, like, I'm more than open to, you know, but well, I, I think it's very aggressive that you guys are sending me videos of, like, dead animals, like, nonstop, you know, like, as a as a joke or whatever. It's just, like, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, oh, I think you're always going to have haters. And whatever you do, it's, yeah. like, human nature for people to pick at you no matter what you do. So I've learned to live with it. You know, I, I still get some backlash from people. But I know I think people respect me more that I stuck with it. And, you know, it didn't change. And, I, you know, I get more respect for that. So
0: Totally. I do think there's a lot of judgment that happens. And I feel like a lot of it comes initially sometimes from a good place from, like, our families because they're mm-hmm. concerned depending on, like, your background. Sometimes it's, like, a cultural thing that they just can't conceptualize. Like, mm-hmm. I know for me personally, my family we had a hard time even – understanding what that it would look like to be vegan because they just hadn't seen it before but then there are the people who are just like aggressive about it because like you said they find it funny you want to brush it off but then at the same time you're like dude chill like it's Mm kind of not funny anymore (laughs)
1: definitely yeah at Um, first it's like all right you know but then fucking a whole week sorry excuse my language but a mm-hmm. week no, into it, it or a month into it it's like alright you're saying the same thing you said like the first time I went vegan so just you know it doesn't change just stop you
0: know people tell me this all the time you're so cool that you're not the annoying vegan or you're so cool yeah, yeah, that you too. like don't yeah like you don't talk about it all the time and I'm like who are you talking about like what other vegans do you know do you know like a group of like 20 mm-hmm. vegans that are like really annoying because I'm like I'm pretty sure I might be like one of two vegans you know
1: mm-hmm. and I think
0: people have this like idea in their head of the annoying it's vegan Because the media, you know, the
1: media blows it up to see what they want to see. It's
0: it's it's crazy. It's crazy. It is so crazy because I'm just I kid you not. I don't know a single vegan Mm -hmm. that is that even like really talks about it that much, Mm -hmm. unless it's like on their Instagram or like, and then they're like a foodie. I know though, countless meat eaters that are like highly aggressive about it and like. and like- Every meat eater I know
1: says one thing when they imagine I'm vegan. Everyone has to say something. You know, it's like yeah. I don't say, Oh my god, you eat steak? Oh, that's so bad. I never say that to people. It's like Why is it that you feel like you need to tell me, like, oh my God, I can't, you're missing out. I'm eating my chicken right now. You know, like, this makes sense. Yeah,
0: exactly. I truly believe it's just like an insecurity of an insecurity that they maybe don't understand something fully, or maybe they feel like they can't, they couldn't do it. So they like place a certain amount of judgment. And I do think that a lot of those people are not bad people, but they just like don't know how to deal with maybe like a certain emotion and they like lash out a little bit. Yeah. I mean, the times are changing, so I think people are becoming way more respectful about it. But man, I went vegan almost seven years ago, and people thought I was also like crazy and not. People used to definitely criticize me, thinking I just wanted to do it to be thin or have some type of like look. They're like, "Okay, you're gonna last like six months, and then we'll see you again." That's what they said to my girlfriend.
1: My girlfriend mentioned the story of like someone in the neighborhood that like she lived in was like, "You're." Your daughter is just doing this, or like be skinny or something. I wish she wasn't trying mm-hmm. to do that. She was just doing it for different, you know, reasons. So that's yeah. The people are so quick to judge.
0: So quick to judge. For me, it was always an ethical decision, and that's because I went vegetarian and then vegan. But it mm-hmm. is just crazy. And then when I tell people that I've been vegan for almost like seven years, there was a six month period I will admit, six month mm-hmm. period where I was not vegan. During the seven years, I didn't eat meat, but yeah. I ate eggs. And anyway, I always like to make that disclaimer because I don't want someone coming at me. (laughs) But but basically, six and a half years, I was completely vegan. And when I tell people that, I think there is like a level of proudness I have because I'm like, I'm healthy, I'm strong, I work out, and I'm stronger than a lot of people. And I think just like how you said that was your flex, I feel really proud to have this time behind it and being like, see, you can be healthy and be plant-based and whatnot.
1: 100%
0: but yeah there we are on our vegan um soapbox (laughs) on our can of beans (laughs) so this is kind of like a twist of turns like this is not even gonna be a smooth transition i won't even lie about it but you mentioned on the phone before this that you had a wild story about possession and i've been dying to hear it (laughs) so i feel like this is also very on point is this not crazy timing right before halloween because like i'm we talked in September and I was like not planning on it at all but I just feel like it's a little weird that it happens that now yeah so please speak away tell me whatever you're comfortable with telling me definitely
1: so the haunting of the Marin family I'm gonna call it so (laughs) it was pretty messed up I mean everything that you see in movies is real obviously a bit exaggerated but so it all started in a small town, literally eight a- exits away from where I live now. It started in, in uh, Port Chester, New York. Uh, me, my brother, and my mom lived in a third floor apartment building. So basically, I want to say maybe six years old. And th- that's when like my vivid memories started coming in of like, what was going on in the house. Um, little things would happen in the beginning. Things would go missing. And in the beginning, you think that's just you, you know your, your head, your brain. You're like, oh, I must have misplaced it. you know. But as a kid, you know, I started to pick up on little things that I know where I put them. Could not find them at all. My brother would experience the same thing. And then it kind of, as the night started progressing, I remember like hearing noises, you know, on the wall, like scratching, like claw marks, like someone dragging their like nails in the wall. And this would happen like randomly throughout the night. And I remember opening my eyes randomly, trying to figure out what was going on. Didn't see anything. And then there was a few nights where I would f- hear the noise right in front of my face and the wall was right there. And I would open my eyes the next day and I'd see three claw marks on the wall. The actual like marks wow. like someone scratching the wall in my head, I'm like, all right, there's no way that if there's an animal or something in the other side of the wall that it's gonna leave a mark on the side of the wall that I'm sleeping on, and,
0: and then you were still six at this point,
1: yeah, like I was still six and as okay. and as the years progress, like you know, I'll go by like kind of like months, I guess you know, I started smelling like the the rotting flesh, like something dead in the house, the smell would come randomly throughout the day, like something dying in the walls. And my mom, you know, she would say, oh, it's probably like a dead squirrel, dead animal. But the weird thing is, if it was, the smell wouldn't keep coming and going randomly throughout the night. I remember also one night we came home from the mall. We took the city bus home. We came upstairs and we looked went into my bedroom. And I don't know if you saw the exorcism of Emily Rose. There was like mosquitoes all over the wall at one point. Yes, it, I just there was mosquitoes. That. So there was mosquitoes all over the wall in, the, in my bedroom, like literally in every single corner of the wall, like the actual like mosquito, big flies, not mosquito, the flies. And they were just sitting there looking at us. My mom, she looked at the mosquitoes, and I thought that was very weird. I never saw like any haunting movie like back then or any scary movies. So I'm like, yeah, because we were a mosquito- like a kid,
0: right? So like
1: exactly. So in my head, I'm like, that's so weird. Like they were just sitting on every single corner of the wall, like staring at us. My mom, I remember her getting a napkin, killing every single one of them, saying, "Oh, I must have just left the window open." But it's just weird that they were not every single corner, like identical, just staring at us. And then after that, you know, the following nights, I started something staring at me. And me and my brother would feel it. And I was so terrified of whatever was in that room, like the energy that I remember. I would be crying at night and me and my brother would sleep in each other's like bed. We had a bunk bed. And then there would be some nights where we would feel a shaking of the bed. Like I would feel the bed shaking on top but the, the bottom bunk wouldn't shake. So how does that physically happen? How can the top of the bed shake and the bottom not shake? The whole bed would have to shake. You under You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I thought that was very weird. And then I remember one night as well, I was sleeping and... I had I was on my brother on the bottom of the bunk bed. My brother wasn't home. I was laying down in his bed. I had a, a bunny, like a little doll, and I put it next to me. And I turned around, and I turned back around. The doll wasn't there next to me anymore. It was under the bed, and I thought I dropped it right. So oh my, my head, I'm like, I must have knocked it over. And I go down. I look under the bed. I pick it up and I put it next to my side again, tucking it in, making sure that it wouldn't fall. You know, I'm trying to do an experiment at this point. And I turn around again. I look over. The thing is under the bed, like in the middle under the bed, as if someone grabbed it. Put it on not on the side but under the bed, and I'm like, all right. By this point, you start forming an idea that something's in this house, something's messing with me, something wants to really, you know, kind of like mess with me and my brother. So you know, those were the things that were going on, you know, scratching in the wall for years, uh, smelling of rotten flesh, things going missing, bed would shake, feeling the mind presence in the house. But then the craziest thing that I will never forget and a single day, like i never forget for the rest of my life. Had to have been where, so I went to boarding school when I was younger. Fridays were half the days for me. And the bus would, you know, my grandpa would take care of me. I would get out of school at 12 o'clock. So my grandpa couldn't take care of me this day. So it was 12 o'clock. The bus dropped me off at home. I go upstairs. open. I was like, I think nine at this point. I open up the door. I go upstairs to my third floor apartment building. I sit down in the living room. It was like sunny outside, turn on the TV, start watching TV. I think within five minutes of watching the TV, I hear something in, in the kitchen. So I live in the third floor, and then the kitchen, we have, like, a little patio, like, outside. And you know how, like, the, the door is always, like, that little, like, aluminum door with, like, a little, like, net? Yes. Like, so I started hearing something, like, you know, moving the, the aluminum door, like, And I'm like, all right, what is that? So I, I remember getting up. I run into the kitchen. I looked down the hallway, and I opened the window because there's, like, a door here and a window here. I look out, and I, I see, like, the balcony. There's, like, a little fence that goes onto the neighbor's, like, side of, like, the balcony and the third floor. I'm looking. I see the gates closed. Nothing's there. I'm like, all right, it must be a squirrel, you know, or an animal or something. So I go back into the living room. I hear it again as soon as I sit down, like something like opening the they trying to open the door. And in my head, I'm like, all right, this is weird. I go up. As soon as I hear it, I run into the kitchen. I look out the window and I stay there for like three minutes to make sure nothing. And no, there's no noise. I'm looking out the window. You know, I don't understand what's going on. I call my mom on the phone. I'm like, mom, I think someone's trying to break in the house. And she was like, Luis, it's probably your imagination. Did you check outside? I was like, yeah, I looked outside. I stayed there for a minute, didn't hear a single sound. And she was like, go into my bedroom and lock the door. I'll be home and watch TV in my bedroom. I remember hanging out the phone, and I go into my mom's bedroom, and I lock the door. Literally, I turn on the TV. Then, like the first 30 seconds to a minute, I hear something it sounded like something ripped the door off the wall. Like, honestly, I heard like a massive like bang, bang. And as if the door was just thrown off the wall, like in the oh kitchen, God. it came from. Okay. I've never felt this terrified in my entire life. I just went cold, like my whole body just started shaking, and I went, I froze. I thought I, either I can stay in this room, and if the burglars in the in that building, they they can either kill me. That was like my biggest fear, as I guess like getting a house broken into and getting killed. So I do what I do. So I I said, you know what, I'm just gonna open the door, and the, I can leave the apartment because like the apartment door is here to leave downstairs. So I literally opened the door. I didn't even look in the kitchen, like the direction of that hallway kitchen. I, I just, I just literally, I looked straight at the door, locked myself out because the door locks automatically. So I couldn't get back in the apartment. And I tried, I don't know why I tried going back, but I tried moving it. And I remember going to the first boiler apartment building next door. Cause there's like a divider. So I went to the neighbors. I'm like, Hey, I think someone just broke into my house. I remember they gave me an orange juice. They're like, take, you know, calm down. Everything's going to be okay. We'll go we'll check. We checked every single level of the apartment, everyone's balcony, made sure nothing was there. Flashlights. And then we went upstairs and third floor. We saw nothing was there. It was just empty. And to me, that's like an experience that I'll never forget. You know, it's just like, how does that happen? Something was in that house. Something wanted to scare me or my brother. Horrible, horrible, horrifying, you know. It was just a terrible experience. I'll never forget it.
0: So what does your mom think at this point? With um, My mom wanted
1: to get out of there. She was like, this, you know, we got to leave. You know, we can't stay in here anymore. This has to be, this is it. You know, like she had, she was feeling, she felt the emotional toll on it. She was working late nights, you know, because I didn't live with my dad. Mentally drained because things were happening to her too. She had the same experience. A door at night, it was like at 12 o'clock at night. And me and my brother were very young. And we're like babies at this point, and she had to call the cops when she thought someone broke in. The same same exact story that happened to me. I didn't find this out until years later though. She okay. was experiencing torment. And she said she was always afraid to talk about this kind of stuff. Because if you t- in a Latin culture, if you talk about bad and evil spirits, it will attract negative energy and things will happen. So right. she never wanted to speak about this when we were younger until like recently.
0: Wow. And so I guess my first reaction would be like, no, it has to be like the wind or it has to be this, like try to make like logical sense about it. You try to,
1: but it's nothing. Can like, even till this day, like, you know, there's no logical explanation to demon following us from house to house, doing things like speaking to like my brother's ear, calling his name and just like, it's, it's so deep and rooted, you know, like the spirit, this demonic possession latched onto the family and fed off of fear and fed off of like, you know, tried to drain us. Or like mentally and physically. So,
0: once you guys moved into a new place, when did you start experiencing the stuff? Right again? away.
1: Right away. And, my brother would hear voices. One. Right in the first night, you could feel something was in the house staring at oh us. Oh, my God. as we slept, oh my we God, felt that's something. that's
0: so then. scary. Yeah.
1: That's so scary. <laughs> so my brother would sleep time, in my mom's bedroom. Like he was that terrified. He would sleep in my mom's bedroom. I would wake up in the middle of the night without him in the
0: room because he was terrified. So how old was your brother at this point? 17. Wow. Okay. So yeah. he was much older and is still experiencing this stuff. Like it it brings me chills. I yeah. do believe in stuff like that. So I'm almost nervous. Keep asking about it. But I guess for you, what did you start doing to recover or fix the problem?
1: So you you can't fix demonic possession. It has to go away on its own. You know, like if you feed into it fear, like today, if I was to say, Oh, I give up, I'm going to let this demon, you know, take over my life, mentally, you'll come there, it'll it destroy you. It's all about personal strength and development. You know, if you can attract positive energy and like you know like be around positive people the whole vibe will change the whole mentality will shift demons they tend to attach themselves to people who have wounds and they they feed off of that like if you're an alcoholic if you're a drug addict you're broken already mentally and physically these demons will attach themselves and latch and suck the energy out of you suck the life out of you and you get to a certain point where you're like i'm gonna fight back i'm gonna like you know not let this control my life I'm i'm not i'm not gonna get as scared as i used to get scared I'm going to show it that I'm better than him. So we're, it.
0: So would you consider yourself like a religious person? Did you ever try going down the religious I, I, path? I went to
1: church. I went to church. Um, but I think now it's almost like I believe that there's good and evil in life. I think that we have a good evil. We have hell, you know, a, a place called hell and her. you know, whatever you want to call it. I think that there is a place where positive and good energy will go and a place where negative energy goes and that there's two different worlds out there you know it's like you know you will be attracted to the world where you belong to be in you know
0: so do you feel like all your family members have moved past what's happened or do you get affected does your mom still get affected or your brother i
1: think we've all moved past it you know i think we we have a new chapter in our lives
0: when did you feel like you finally were able to stop having so much negative action towards you like did you your mom and your brother all have it stop at the the same time
1: you know we all decided that we weren't going to let this control lie. all right how do we change this and we just decided to not pay attention to you know, just not give it the attention that it won and eventually it started to shift away so like i said i feel like if you give attention to something it's going to be there it's not going to go away almost like you antagonize it when you give it like the energy you know you give it power when you look at it Yeah. Like, all right I know you're
0: there and it feeds off. Yeah. So, okay. That's a, that's a very interesting point because I think some people would be like, oh, I should confront it head on, but you're Mm -hmm. saying that it's better to ignore it and just create from the positive side and not even build power like,
1: over it show it that you're stronger
0: yeah by mm-hmm. but like from from mental yeah. action from a different place and not just mm-hmm. being like hey i see you i'm not scared of you type of thing 100%. what would you feel like are the recommendations that you would give to someone experiencing this or what would you do if it came back do you feel like you have absolute comfort that you could overcome anything at this
1: point? i'd say recommend people try to fight it off and show it that you know that you're stronger than it but if it becomes like an issue where you feel like you can't fight this thing off, I'd I would recommend you get help. You know, you find go go to a demonologist and get help, get checked, and I think there you can address the issue and they can see what's attached to you. You know, right. like there are like you know cleansings that you can do for yourself. And bring positive so energy towards your life. Do
0: you or your family or any family members do like any type of cleansing? Oh, yeah. Um, my mom would do
1: cleansings. My mom would do cleansings to me and my brother. We both had our cleansings done. And it what did was, that look
0: like for you guys?
1: It basically was like a bath and like rose water, church water and stuff like that to cleanse our bodies. It was very interesting. And after that, I have the energy and the, and the vibes you attract. It was very positive after that, you know, the way Good. we looked at life. Yeah, great experience, you know, definitely for us to be connected together as a family.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that you have a new chapter in your life, and that you guys talked about this experience together. Do you ever have nightmares, fears? Like, can you watch movies about it and not? Oh being- yeah, I love
1: it yeah
0: really I'm, I'm you love favorite. it
1: yeah, yeah. you're not
0: little i don't know like don't want to be reminded no i think
1: it's a blessing that it happened to my family because i know that things like this exist you know
0: really yeah. i feel like if i was like a teenager and it was like still happy like triggering or something i enjoy it. I get it <laughs> cool. wrapping up back to your healthy lifestyle i'm sure that affected how you cleansed yourself and cleansed your mind. What do you do to ground yourself now?
1: I look at myself and what I'm doing in life, and I get reassurance from my girlfriend. You know, she, I'll ask her, like, hey, do you think I'm in the right direction? And you, do you think everything's going all right? She reinforces a lot of things for me. She's definitely like my rock that I rely on. Seeing her happen, accomplishing my goals, being into existence, affirmations, and just helping one another kind of push each other. So that's that's been a huge mind shift, you know, like game changing.
0: I love that. So, where can people find you? How can people reach out? In in the meantime, before we do any type of part two, so
1: I have an Instagram, Leo Fit Life, Leo underscore Fit underscore Life. On IG, you can just reach out to me on DMs, uh, send me a message, a comment if you have a question, or you can see my YouTube videos at Leo Fit Life, Leo Fit Life on YouTube. Just awesome. feel free to reach out.
0: Awesome! Thank you. So much. Yay!